0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1330.
1: Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're probably right. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy
0: interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, calling in from Grass Valley, California, although he could be calling in from anywhere in the world, the way Gary travels with his wife, Monica, Gary Westcott. Gary, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am. All right, here we go. Gary and Monica Westcott have spent the last 45 years globetrotting around the world from the deserts of Turkmenistan following the Silk Road to the jungles of the Amazon and across Siberia in the dead of winter. This couple's travel adventures have been published in 10 countries and 8 different languages. They travel in their meticulously prepared research trucks from the original Orland rover to the current Ford F-550 they named the Turtle 5. The Turtle 5 Expedition's popular blogs are currently describing details of their 5th truck, which they are preparing to ship to South America for another extensive exploration. Their last expedition took them 40,000 miles through 26 countries for two years following the Silk Road and around the world. You can follow them at www.turtleexpedition.com. Wow. So, Gary, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share a little bit more about this amazing life you created for yourself and a very obvious passion you have for travel?
1: Well, it's kind of <clears throat> it is a very long story, so I'll put it into steps, I thought. Step one, put your backpack on, fly to Europe, hitchhike across uh, Europe and into Afghanistan, turn around, come back. Step two, sit in the pudding shop in Istanbul, really tired of, of overland, uh, t- traveling with taxi cabs and hitchhiking and trains and buses. And about that time, a Land Rover, Dormobile, pulled in across the parking lot from the pudding shop, quite a famous place for overland travelers to stop. And that was the answer, a Land Rover. Step three, walking down the streets in San Francisco, there was my Land Rover, a 109 1967 Long Wheel Bay station wagon. I bought it. Step three, Created a, create a dream to drive to South America. No, first it was going to Nepal, didn't speak Nepalese. Okay, I speak Spanish, drive to South America. It got so outrageous it had to have a name. We called the truck, the Land Rover, the blue turtle, La Tortuga Azul. Turtles are good luck everywhere. It also went very slow. It had its house on its back, so we called it the Turtle Expedition. And we tagged on Unlimited because we were literally unlimited. When I drove away from South Lake Tahoe in 1972, it was very strange. I didn't think about it until just recently. I didn't have to come back.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think we're on quite for a journey here. This is an amazing start. You and your wife kind of, well, you you two actually blow me away, the life you've created. So I think I'm rather envious as I'm always locked into my turtle house, which is firmly embedded into the ground here with footings and a roof and all that. But we're going to learn a lot more about this wonderful life you've created as we continue on your journey. But first, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires rolling here on Cars. Yeah. So, Gary, take the wheel.
1: I would have to say that um, I didn't even know about it at the time, but I think my favorite quote is probably Henry Ford's, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're probably right.
0: Yes, I love that quote. One of my favorites, absolutely. In fact, for anybody out there that hasn't subscribed to the Car Show website and blog, when you do, I send you my ebook, and it's a book filled with photographs I've taken of gas caps. Yes, gas caps. Some of them can be quite spectacular on very special cars. And I've interlaced those pictures with quotes. And that quote is in that book because I love that quote so much. And it definitely applies to the life you've created for yourself, hasn't
1: it? It has, definitely. It definitely has.
0: Well, I want to talk about a passion you have with vehicles. Obviously, your passion is travel. But to travel the way you do in Monica, you guys have to have a vehicle. And you're on your fifth one now. Uh, But somewhere in your life, I'm assuming there's a passion for cars that started some kind of pivotal moment when you knew that you were a a
1: car guy and maybe a travel guy, too. Well, it never occurred to me that I was actually a travel guy in the beginning because I was in high school and I decided um, actually uh, I was going to summer school in San Diego and her and the girl I was uh, infatuated with. Her brother had an Austin Haley Sprite Bug Eye Mark one drove it and it was amazing. And I experienced the feeling of driving a small sports car. So I decided I wanted to have an Austin Healey Sprite. And sure enough, the next time I went down to San Diego, there was, there was my Mark II Austin Healey Sprite sitting in the, in the used car lot. And uh, I bought it. And for there, from then I went to uh, Austin Healey Sprite, sold it, and bought a Triumph Spitfire and got into racing trollums and slaloms and really enjoyed that and, and rallies. And that was, so that was my introduction. But I couldn't live in it. And for some reason, uh, I went from Austin Healy Sprites and Triumph Spitfires to a Honda 750 motorcycle and then sold that, started to travel with the backpack back to that uh, stage one and fell in love with travel. And obviously, I needed something to live in. So the sports cars kind of went away and the Land Rover came on and it followed with other vehicles that I could live in.
0: I see a little trend with British cars here for a while. I know you're in a Ford truck now, but uh, those brave souls that drive old British sports cars, uh, I'm always enamored with. That's what started it for me. My dad had a 49 MGTC when I was five years old, living in San Diego. That's where I grew up. So San Diego's near and dear to my heart. So uh, I think that's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> so very, very cool.
1: Whoever has driven British cars, we all know about Lucas Electric, the The Prince of Darkness.
0: Well, you tell you, I don't talk about Lucas that way anymore because I'll tell you a funny story, Gary. I was talking with a gentleman who had an Austin Healy, and he was talking about all the troubles he had with his electrical system, Lucas. And I mentioned those words. I'm not going to say them, but Prince and Darkness were involved in there with that. And for the first time, and it's never happened since, my computer turned black. It screeched these horrible sounds at me and died. (laughs) And I figured that the ghost of Mr. Lucas was paying me a visit and telling me, don't speak to me, so speak about me that way. So I don't talk to him about him that way anymore because I want to get through this conversation. But that's that's no lie. I was talking with John, who's a guest on my show, and uh, yeah, I, I got paid a visit. Well, let's talk about, we talk about challenges, computers blowing up in your face in the middle of an interview. I would love for you to share maybe a huge challenge or a big failure you faced along the way on these incredible travels because a lot of people go, how can you travel to these crazy places and do all this? Aren't you afraid of things that'll happen? And most people that travel this way, that's usually the last thing on their mind. Of course, they're prepared for it. But I'd love for you to share one of these stories. But more importantly, what did it teach you so that that experience could help you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your travels around the world?
1: Well, San Diego State University, but that now it's the University of California, San Diego, uh, was my 13th school. So I was moving. My mother, wow. I, my mother and my father, my father was in the Marine Corps, so we moved a lot. That was the beginning of basically having no fear. And then I also lived in Mexico for two and a half years when my mother and my stepfather moved down there to retire as expats. And so I learned how to speak Spanish. So I had no fear of, again, to travel is just another country. And, uh, and so the idea of driving to South America was, well, sure, no problem. They all speak Spanish. It's great. What, what kind of probably also helped me is that we had a motto that I got out of a book uh, called uh, Travels with Charlie from John Steinbeck. Time back. Yes. And he he had a very good saying that had printed on my first T-shirt that we had made even before we left the turtle expedition unlimited. And the saying was, don't take the trip. Let the trip take you. Ah, now that's wonderful saying, but it's a trap because I crossed the border with my Land Rover headed for South America. And I thought Mexico, I know Mexico, no problem. We can get to Guatemala, maybe what, three months. Yeah, it's not that long a drive. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I wasn't taking the trip. The trip was taking me. Nine years later, I was writing for Off-Road Magazine and still driving around Mexico. <laughs> you got a little waylaid. Be- before you can go to South America, you have to ship the vehicle to South America. And then you, when, you, when you get to a foreign country, a different continent, there's one thing that's interesting. You can't make a U-turn anymore and forget something.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, for people who look at you in awe, you and your wife, that how can you do this? You seem so brave, seem so daring. Some might say, Seems a little crazy. What advice would you give for somebody who is afraid to travel and hasn't done that? Because I've traveled around the world as well. Nothing like what you've done. But when you go abroad, it opens your mind to so many interesting things you never knew. You meet people. You learn things about countries that you thought were perhaps different. And you realize all the people on this planet are kind of the same. We all want a lot of the same things out of life. So what would you say to somebody who... Maybe he's a little afraid to take that step and let that trip take them somewhere.
1: We should have actually known this because we did in our hearts already, but we were planning our our first really big potentially dangerous expedition, which is driving across uh, all of Russia, across Siberia in the wintertime. And we had gone to the consulate, and they said, "Well, it's very dangerous. There's wild animals. You should carry a gun. You need a guide." And so we did a little reconnaissance trip, and uh, we sat. We were sitting around. I had been on the camel trophy. Um, Three times. And um, and one of the guys that was one of the Russian team members of the Camel Trophy, big rally, your car, car guys probably know what the Camel Trophy was. We were sitting oh, at yeah. his um, father-in-law's apartment in Moscow and talking about all the dangers and there were bandits and there was no food and no fuel and there were no roads. We already been told that numerous times to get across Siberia. And we knew all that stuff, but we were kind of afraid, you know, about the bandits and the people and all that kind of stuff. And his father-in-law, after our traditional three shots of vodka, he looked at me and he put his hand on his throat and he said, feel your pulse. And and Mark Sklodowski, he was the Camel Trophy uh, contestant, he, he translated. So Monica and I did. And then he pulled his hand on his wrist and he said, feel your pulse again. So we did. And then he put his hand on his heart and he said, our hearts beat the same. We knew at that moment we could drive across all of Russia alone because that's a fact of all over the world. If you treat people with respect, their hearts beat the same. They're human beings, and and, and that that has proven itself time and time again. And in the last 40-some, 48 years now of traveling around the world, and I don't know how many countries now we've been in. I think we got up to about 40 with a vehicle and 80 without a vehicle. We have never, ever had a bad problem because the truth is our hearts beat the same.
0: Nice story. I love that. Absolutely true. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special vehicle. And you talked about that Sprite. Maybe that's your first vehicle, or maybe we talk about your first Expedition vehicle, or any car you want to talk about, but share maybe a special memory you have about that special ride.
1: Well, the Sprite was really fun because I was uh, at San Diego State University then, and I had took an automotive course, and I was able to take the uh, hydraulic uh, shock absorbers and fill them with castor oil and that made this car handle much better when I was racing around pylons and parking lots so that was really great kind of got me into the racing thing and never really got very really good at it i did i did get it first place one time uh class g and then the then the land rover came along and uh, we started to build that and that was a whole different line of, of you know no, nobody ever nobody had ever done what we wanted to do at that time now it's now it's a big thing overland travel it's a, it's a major portion of uh, the automotive world i think now but at that time, nobody had done it before, and so people thought we were crazy. So, so that was that was already a challenge to to build a vehicle that you could live in, eat in, sleep in, not take a shower in anymore. Then, but uh, but we can now. So that was that was the challenge of just trying to outfit a vehicle that would be reliable. Reliability was an important thing, but eating, sleeping comfortably, staying clean, cooking uh, cooking meals, was was uh, was the primary goal, and. That sort of came about in various different phases of uh, figuring out what worked on the road.
0: I would assume now that you're on to uh, turtle number five. I guess is the way to put it. A Ford F five hundred and fifty is that right? You've learned a lot with each of these builds, and each one, I assume, gets better and better and better.
1: Absolutely, and and one of the things that I that I that I stress when people ask about this is that you know we drive an American pickup truck, okay. Uh, there are other vehicles that work, certainly Land Rovers and Unimogs and, uh, and all, of, all of the, the Italian vehicles. And, but the fact is that there are millions and millions of American pickups running around. And the great thing about that is that there are thousands of companies, most of them, a lot of them, show up at SEMA every year in Las Vegas, that make products better than Ford, Chevy, or Chrysler can put in their vehicles. That would be too expensive. So that, so we tell people, buy a used pickup truck, you know, get one with low mileage or whatever, you know, mom and pop, maybe they drove their trailer around, got tired and bought a motorhome home. But take, buy a truck and save a lot of money and take that money that you've saved and buy the products from these companies that make better shock absorbers, better U-joints, better brakes, better tires, better water pumps, better everything, and build the truck that you want to make it reliable.
0: Yeah, very, very cool. I love it. Love everything about this. Is there a vehicle you have a little seller's remorse about, a vehicle you've let go in your past that you wish you still had?
1: Well, you have a personal attachment to all of these vehicles. It kind of really hurt when we sold the Turtle 4 to some friends, but they're using it for what it was meant for, and it had already been to South America and around the world. Uh, But I guess probably the Land Rover was probably my first love because, uh, well, for example, the entire vehicle only had two fuses. Never mind Lucas, but two fuses, you can't go wrong. If something stops, you look at the fuse box, take out one of them, put the other one in, it works. <laughs> yeah,
0: very cool. Yeah, that's a, that car has a lot, or that truck, has a big following, emotional following of people around the world. Uh, I know they're slow and kind of sluggish, but you know what? They can go anywhere, and they are all over the world, so I would imagine parts aren't that hard to find. But the other thing I know about those old range Land Rovers is, the ease of taking parts off of them and putting them back on. It's a pretty simple, like a, a, it's a big Lego kit, really.
1: Exactly, exactly. I, I often thought it would be fun to take a Land Rover apart and paint each panel, each fender, each door, each whatever. And you could do it with a with a, with a screwdriver and a pop rivet gun and paint yeah. each one a different color.
0: Yeah, kind of a Benetton Colors vehicle okay. for traveling the world. Would be very, very cool. I would love for you to talk about this next adventure you and Monica are going on. TurtleExpeditions.com is the website where you can follow these folks along for the listeners out there. But let's talk about this next huge adventure you're planning for.
1: Well, actually, and I mentioned this in passing because we have just been invited by a gentleman who used to be the uh, PR director at um, at SEMA for 14 years. And he is organizing a massive five day automotive show in Saudi Arabia. And we may ship our truck there. Really, that's that's exciting. What's the show going to be called? I don't even know the name of it right now. It's not something that's put on. We just recently got a uh, a couple of little blurbs on it, but apparently it's uh, it's being put on by the government, and uh, it's their, their attempt to raise the level of of uh, tourism and cultural events in Saudi Arabia between now and two thousand thirty. Wow, it's a very interesting uh, event. That's just in the, it's just in the phasing, just you know. It's in the it's in the planning stage now, but it, but it looks like it's actually going to happen. Uh, but to, aside from that, we we're planning on shipping our truck to the coast of Chile, and we have a bucket list that we haven't. We when we were there for with our with the turtle um, four turtle turtle three, we spent fourteen months driving around the outside of South America. It's a big place. Yes, and, and <laughs> another year, maybe or two years, seeing the interior of the salt flats in Bolivia. Standing in the middle of 35,000 sheep in Patagonia waiting to be sheared, not us. The, um, <laughs> the sheep, yeah. My wife wants to see the, the emperor Pe- penguins on uh, Antarctica, and that's a time-sensitive because the seasons are all weird. Patagonia and, in Brazil, uh, there is a route that I may be doing a story about. There's a new route of it. Apparently, if you can drive from the West Coast to the East Coast, uh, across the Andes through the jungle and get from ocean to ocean, that's an interesting route to take. And, of course, there's the beef in Argentina. We want to try that naturally. It's very famous. And the wines. Uh, I have a picture of a, of a um, uh, lamb uh, spread eagle on, on an open fire being barbecued, and that's something that I'm looking forward to. So little things like that. But we're, we're taking this trip a little slower than we have in the past, even though the, we're still following the rule, don't take the trip, let the trip take you. We have more time now. So if we see a really nice place and we can stop for, you know, a week or so and not worry about the time schedule, We'll, we'll be doing that slower and following the seasons, more or less.
0: Now, you document these travels on your website, correct?
1: Yes, we have blogs.
0: Very, very cool. Now, of course, most people out there listening are going to be thinking this question, how can these people live this life for so long doing this? Uh, unless you're independently wealthy or some magical bequestion of money flying down on top of you, is there a way that you finance this type of a lifestyle?
1: Good question. Uh, in the beginning, it was it was hand to mouth, uh, and I was getting. I was. I started to write for uh, when I first started traveling. I, I was in a Land Rover, and I wrote my first story after talking with the editor and stopping at his house of Off Road Magazine, Tom Madigan. I wrote my first story with a manual typewriter and sent it to him uh, with a couple of rolls of film because uh, they didn't they didn't even have a way to get my Kodachrome developed back mexico and he wrote back and said basically um he sent me an aero he sent me a, what do you call it an aerogram it was a paper you get at the post office and it had a stamp on it you could send it anywhere in the world and um and i had i had asked him you know um how's the story uh, question one two how did the film turn out and uh, some other questions like that and he he wrote back and he said uh, story is great film turned out fine when's the next one coming and so i had an income. And we would camp on the beach in Mexico and catch fish. And we'd spent $25 a week. I mean, that was everything. We didn't have insurance. Never mind that crap. We didn't have insurance then. And uh, we caught fish and and maybe even had a couple of beers. $25 a week. You know, you could flip burgers on McDonald's and go take a vacation with that after. So we did that and then suddenly became aware of product sponsorship. And so we needed new tires. And and Tom Madigan arranged some tires for us from... um, From, I wanted to be of Goodrich tires, but uh, no, I wanted Michelin Michelin tires, but the guy at Michelin was on vacation. And so Tom called uh, Sears and uh, we said, he said, these guys need uh, five tires, or six tires, actually, one for the hood and one for the back, for the Land Rover, had a tire on the hood. And so we we got those tires mounted and balanced, and uh, it wasn't too long later. We were camped on the beach in Mexico, and a guy pulled up on top on the above the, the the beach where we were camped, and he came down and waited. He had to be waited all all day long. We were out we were out fishing, and he came back and he brought me a whole stock of bananas. And he said, you know, I read your story and I, I bought those tires and I love them so much. And he he and I said, and I didn't even like the tires. They were just you know they were free. Okay, free. But I I did start writing to the companies who had who had products that I needed. And one of the things that I did then was every time an article was published or anything else about that that product, I sent a copy, a literal physical copy of the magazine article to the PR director or the advertising manager and as we became more and more popular in the magazine getting a, getting a story every couple of, uh, of of issues with an occasional cover or double page spread companies started to notice that we were getting a lot of exposure and slowly over the years companies like BF Goodrich and RainX and Alcoa and Bosch and those companies started to actually pay us to use their products so, it became a way of financing our big trips like South America or driving across Siberia in the wintertime. But the rule was always give back more than we got. That was the rule and that and that has worked now, so that I can call up the guy at Rancho and say, "Hey, Roger, I need a couple of new shocks for the back of the truck you know he'll just say, basically say, "What number you know where do you want them set the, Well we evolved into, and those finances we we weren't big we weren't like million dollar finances like a race car but these companies were paying for exposure. And, and the best advertising they could possibly buy was word about a great product from a reliable source, which we were. And so that sort of mushroom. Ford became a sponsor. They sponsored our trucks. We switched to Michelin because we needed Michelin tires, Oil, all these companies. There's hundreds of them on our website, actually mostly members of SEMA who built our trucks for us. We put the parts together, but they supplied the parts. And that's to to answer your question about financing, you know that we still are hand to mouth almost, but we do we have sold some of our trucks and uh, managed to invest money properly in in the stock market and um, and when we travel we're very frugal. You know we don't stay in hotels and we don't eat yeah. in restaurants. So
0: there you go, bingo. You know I'm love I love the way you answered that because. A lot of people, even with what I'm doing here at Cars, yeah, I'm, I'm. and it's a great segue to this next line I'm going to say in a minute, is sponsors. That's how I make my living is by promoting other brands through The Voice. And this medium today of social media, blogs, uh, YouTube, I follow a young couple from Australia that sail around the world, Settling La Vagabond, And they work through Patreon, another source, a place that you can get funding for what you're doing. They produce these wonderful, lovely videos of their life every week. Uh, What they're doing, they've just had a baby now, and they're traveling. They ended up getting a million-dollar catamaran from a French catamaran company. You said, here, we'll build you a catamaran that you can travel on. I mean, all this stuff is possible. It's not without a lot of work, and you need to give back. Like you said, Gary, give back more than you expect from somebody, and these things will work. So awesome answer to that question. I appreciate that. Gary, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars sponsors that make this whole show possible. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. At carsyeah.com. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me? on the Cars yeah! TV show. It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars yeah! podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars yeah! TV is making its mark. Cars yeah! TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV, Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, Gary, we are back. And I have a bit of an introspective question for you. I'm going to put you on the analyst couch here. If you were manifested into a car, what kind of car would Gary be and why?
1: If I were a car, I would like to be in a a formula car, race car, at least two minutes ahead in the final lap. Uh, the Monte Carlo Grand Prix. <laughs> that's asking for a lot. Two minutes.
0: Ahead. You know what two minutes is like in a formula car? Half it's unheard of. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the other cars <laughs> already crashed behind me because you saw that huge accident that happened somewhere. Right? 18 different cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Incredible. Millions yeah. of dollars worth of sheet metal.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a very different answer than I thought I was going <laughs> to get. I figured you'd be this old Range Rover, Land Rover that traveled the world and crept over rocks. But we jumped to Formula One
1: racing. What the heck? What's still, going on, Gary? I'm still a car buff, you know? Hey.
0: <laughs> okay, good. Well, that's why. I
1: love vehicles. I love watching races where if you if you make a mistake, you die.
0: Ah, yeah, <laughs> well, you can, you can do that in just about any car. So be careful out there, whether you're crawling over rocks or you're heading down a freeway or racing the streets of Monaco in a Formula One car. All right, Gary, we are entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of that F1 throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: Well, I, I, what came to my mind was uh, my own experience. I don't know if it was actually an advice given to me, but uh, my experience is: unless you really know what you're doing, don't mess with Detroit engineers. They figured out how things work. And if you're going to put a baby's a, a baboon heart in a baby, you better be a good doctor. And if you're going to start changing manifolds and cams and carburetors, you better know what. You're you're going to end up with a, with a bird's nest that doesn't work.
0: You know, I, I see a lot of people do this. They buy very expensive European, say, sports cars, and then they start changing everything. And I'm like, you know what? Are you really smarter than all those engineers? Exactly. I mean, those guys exactly. worked really hard. But you said something earlier that is probably an argument to that, and that is a lot of manufacturers, they have to make a product that's affordable in some respect, depending on whatever sociodemographic group they're targeting. And there are ways to make these cars better, just like you said, your off-road vehicles. So I get that part of it. And having gone to SEMA now, well, this will be my 31st year in a row attending SEMA. and seeing all those wonderful manufacturers that do allow you to make your vehicles better. I understand what you're saying, 100%. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes and travels around the world?
1: Well, I guess I have to say that probably my, I am a Capricorn, very. Ah, me too. Which makes me a perfectionist. (laughs) Living in a perfect world, being a perfectionist, living in an imperfect world is, is a tough road. You know about that. So when I do something, I try and do it right uh, the first time. And that's just really, uh, it's, it takes me a lot longer to write a story for a magazine. It takes me a lot longer to do a wiring change on my, on my vehicles or change a tire. Or, but doing it, doing it right takes a lot more time. And I can do it faster, but then I don't have to do it over. I always remember the saying at a body shop, why is there never enough time to do it right, but always enough time to do it over?
0: You know, I just had uh, Kurt Hooker on the show. I met him at Edelbrock, a company that makes high-performance parts and has for 80 years. Incredible company. I shot an episode of my TV show there, and he said the same thing. He said he worked with a guy once and said, Well, you know what, Kurt? We could do it once, slow down and do it once right, or we could hurry up and do it wrong the first time so we could get back to work and do it right again. <laughs> the second time, I should say. So I like the way you're thinking. Yeah, us Capricorns, we're just kind of plagued with that perfectionism. I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah, slow down and do it right the first time. Now, how about resources? For someone who travels all over the world, what's a resource that you might offer people that could help them with adventures like you go on?
1: Well, if they're actually interested in the products that we use on our website, we have a a suppliers list with links, click-to links of all the companies that we've used from tires to wheels to seats to lug nuts to radiator grills to roof racks everything at all you can go through our website it's alphabetically ordered and you can just find a find a find the subject or a company name or product and click on it and go to their home page and see what they have for you
0: nicely said i'll make sure i put a link to that on gary's show notes page on the car website how about a drink or a meal if i could arrange for you to sit down with someone in the automotive industry living or deceased who would it be
1: that's really a hard one you know yeah
0: uh, I guess if I asked easy questions, it'd be a boring show.
1: I guess Walker Evans has always been one of my favorite off-road race drivers. Uh, we've ridden mm-hmm. on Adams for many races in the Baja One Thousand, so we had familiar with that. Uh, unfortunately, Rod Hall just passed away. Yes, and I know. I, yeah. I remember a great saying that he gave me one time at the end of the Baja One Thousand down on the pause at the big B.F. Goodrich party, which we were also sponsored by. And I was, we were riding with uh, Donnie Adams at that time. Both Bonnick and I were co-driving, co-driving, uh, not co-driving, piloting, changing tires and watching the gauges. And he said, uh, I was inc- congratulating him on his win. He always won, Rod Hall." And he said, well, Gary, you can beat skill, but you can't beat luck.
0: <laughs> I had his uh, daughter, granddaughter as a guest here on the show, oh, and yeah. she had been trying to set up him to be on my show. Unfortunately, we lost him before I was able to get him on this show. But uh, yeah, legendary guy. When I lived in San Diego, we used to go down and watch the beginning of the race down there. I even did a little pre-run once with a guy one day. Scared the hell out of me in that buggy. Uh, I wanted to get out of that thing as fast as I could possibly do. I thought, how can you do this day after day? You'll have no kidneys left, you know? Uh, But uh, yeah, Rod Hall, wonderful guy, wonderful man, quite a legacy and an icon. Is there a book that you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy reading?
1: Yes, I would want you to read. Listeners, uh, readers to read a book called "The Secret" by um, Rhonda Byrne. I think. Right. I might have to get the book and look at the title. I don't. I'm. But, but if you, I mean, if you Google the the book title, "The Secret," the Secret. Okay. That is something that I that I probably have followed unknowingly, even when I bought my first Aussie Healy Sprite, and after that, everything else that happened, including the Land Rover, and I realized how I've been using the Secret. All my life, and it works.
0: Very cool. I'll make sure I put a link to that book on Gary's show notes page. Again, you can find all these things at com. Gary Westcott, just type his name in and that page will pop right up. All right, Gary, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question could be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet. But there's a couple rules to this game that make it a little bit of a challenge. You can't sell it to you know, set up a new off-road vehicle to go around the world in. You've got to keep it you got to drive it. No garage queens allowed here. And here's the kicker. It's the only one cool collector car you can park in your garage. So you need to choose very wisely. What's it going to be?
1: Do I have to rebuild it or can I just buy it already ready?
0: To oh, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, if you want it built, if you want it restored, I'm going to give you the car ready to go. No work here. I'm the, I'm the Santa Claus today here at Cars. Yeah.
1: I have to have two choices. I would want a uh, Lotus Super 7, but I want a, I want the kit because it's a little bit longer. My brother-in-law has one. It has yeah. more leg room, okay? It's still a Lotus Super 7, handles like a fly. I want that. But more realistically, as I'm 74 years old now, what I'd really like to have is a 55 Chevy.
0: <laughs> nice. Well, there's a classic car for you. <laughs>
1: <Sure>. <laughs> I like it.
0: Would you like that 55 uh, in a coupe or a convertible?
1: Well, actually, uh, probably uh, practicality. I'd probably have the... Uh, the uh, 55 Chevy, I think it was called the Nomad, the station wagon. But, oh, you want, oh, well, okay, I fi- but, that, that now we're talking. But, but probably the hard top because it has the lines that I love about the 55.
0: Yeah, okay, cool. Well, I can't buy you two cars because if I did, I'd have to buy the past 1,329 people two cars. So let's decide between that Lotus, two very different cars, Lotus Super 7, awesome cars on the track, or that 55 Chevy Nomad.
1: Oh, the 55 Chevy Nomad.
0: Yeah, I I think that'd be a great choice for you. <laughs> awesome. Very nice. Well, Gary, you have taken me, and I knew you would, on a very nice expedition today. This has been really fun. I'm so glad that I came across you. I've really enjoyed your stories. I think I could sit and listen to your travel adventures forever and ever, but I'll just follow you on your blog so I can read along with these adventures you and Monica have. I want to thank you for sharing your incredible life with me and my listeners today. Would you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that
1: 55 Chevy Nomad? Get a dream, focus on it like laser, grab onto it like a pit bull, and don't let it go. Follow your dream. Dreams work, really work.
0: Very nicely said from a guy that does it. So no dreaming here. This is a guy that does it. He and Monica live an incredible life. And again, what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with what you're doing?
1: TurtleExpedition.com, uh, our blogs right now are taking people step-by-step, bolt-by-bolt through uh, the building of the Turtle Five. People have asked about it a lot. And then from then, they can follow us as soon as we start heading south into Baja California and then across to Houston and then shipping to uh, South America uh, with a side trip of uh, Sahara, possibly. Uh, to, to um, yeah.
0: A side trip you- of the Sahara. <laughs> <laughs> you amaze me, my friend. I mean, I'm just blown away. I'm sitting here going, I'm living a pretty boring life here. I. I need, to, I need to wrap my head around bigger dreams. I mean, I'm just amazed at what you two do. Uh, many, many thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule and sharing your story with Cars Y'all listeners. And thank you for Monica for setting up this Skype call. We had a little challenge at the beginning, but we figured it out because we've got great women behind us, right? So uh, that's the way to go. Gary, thank you. And thank you to Monica, too, for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your amazing life adventures. With the Cars Yow listeners, until you and I talk again, most definitely, I'll see you down the road.
1: Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you. This has been fantastic. You take care of your cars.